Morning, everyone. How are we all today? Good? Great? Okay, let's go through this. Zero being the worst day of your life, 10 being the best day of your life. I'm going to start out from 10. Chuck your hands up. Are you 10? Who's a 10 here today? Oh, I like it. Nine, eights, sevens, six, fives, fours, threes. Don't be shy. Twos, ones, zeros. Yeah, okay. Look, I'm probably at like a two this morning because I had to pay my petrol this morning. And that hurt a little bit. Um, had to move some money around to get here. So it is what it is, isn't it? It is what it is. So welcome. I'm not wrong. Welcome. Um, look, I have the honor and the privilege to be able to speak with you this morning. Um, and honest, my hope is this. You leave built and encouraged around the issue of work, your vocation, your career. That's how I hope you leave this morning. Whether what work looks like for you, whether you're um, looking for work, whether you're um, in your work and you're looking at retirement in a couple of years, whether you're going to work Mondays to Fridays, whether you're on a seven-day roster, whether you're on overnight shifts, whether you're a stay-at-home mum, whatever it is, I hope I encourage you around your work because work is a part of life. So I hope you leave here built and encouraged that God is with you. God is with you and there's a reason for where you are. And we can work through it, and you can be an amazing testimony to you, yourself, and to those around you. So why don't we open up with prayer? Does it sound good? Yes? Open up with prayer. All right. Lord Father, thank you so much for the gift of this morning, Jesus. Thank you so much for who you are. Lord, I pray that you give me the right words to say at the right times this morning. Father, may you um, steady the message that's on my heart to share. And may it land on good soil. And may we leave here with a smile on our face, encouraged that we are facing you and we're walking with you today. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Jesus is better. And I've been thinking about this because I've been thinking about what's my testimony. What's my testimony? Because I find sometimes I really struggle to think about myself. Who am I testimony? Who's my testimony? Who am I hitting? Who am I bringing to God? Who am I sharing Christ with? And it got me thinking. I walked in here today. I think I had four conversations with four different people. The first thing we talked about, how's your week? Yeah, good. How's work? Work, 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 which is great. It takes up, according to studies across the board, it takes up about one third of our lives is work. So if you're lucky enough to hit those triple digits of 100, I don't know how many hours that is. What's that? 37.5 years worth of work. I'm not good with maths. I failed general maths at school. That is a lot of your life spent working for the man. Yes? Earning, surviving, attempting to thrive. It's a lot of time. You study sometimes. You build up debt, student debt and all these things just so you can go and work harder at somewhere else to pay it off. And then eventually you earn enough to get the funeral insurance that you can, again, one day be buried in the ground with. It's funny how so quickly our motivation, our perspective on what work is, is sullied. Um, work is it's a survival thing. So I've got to, I've got to do it. I've got to, I've, you've got to provide for your family. Like, yeah, you've got to. You have to. Um, it can be a survival thing. It can be a, um, um, like an unnecessary, like a, a necessary requirement. It can be something you have to do. It can be a labor. It can be that thing that is just you hate. And sometimes you personify it as, as your boss. You know, we've all had bosses in our past that we can all think back with. 
and go, oh, man, remember that guy. But we'll talk about that later. But work, it can be something that really, say, we're not looking forward to Monday. Hey, if, you're, if you're looking forward to Monday, chuck up your hand. Um, yeah, love this. See, these people, I want to encourage you guys. A natural, if you talk to them later, I'll find that you'll find a natural joy in these people, a natural joy. And that's what I want to try and pull out and say that is an amazing attribute that is attributed to people who can find that there is reason for your work, there's a purpose behind your work, that you are actually, you are actually created and work is healthy for your soul. It is healthy. It is healthy. If we go back, if we look at our first, we start back where before it all went sour, before Adam and Eve ate the papaya or whatever it was, we can go back to Genesis chapter 2, if I can get that up on the screen. Genesis chapter 2, God's created Adam and Eve. Let's look at the, one of the first things he tells them to do. First directional um, verb, no? Yeah, directional verb. It, the first direction he gives Adam and Eve. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. This was before the fall. This is before they'd gone over to the garden and said, you know, I'm really hungry. Don't tell me what to do, God. I'll do what I want and grab the fruit. Before that, in a perfect world, in a perfect creation, the Lord took the man and took him to work. To work. That kind of it must imply that work is healthy. It is something that's healthy. That, that it, in fact, it is something that is necessary for a healthy soul. It is necessary for us. It's something that we should be instilling not only in our lives, but maybe if you have children, it's something to also instill in them. That work is actually something very healthy. And it's something that God not requires, but God has placed for you to engage with that can actually benefit not only you, but also others. Because we have been accepted by God, so we don't now work because he makes us and stuff. We've been accepted, so we work as worship for him to impact positively others. So I really want to encourage you that. That really broke a lot of stuff in my mind um, because work was something, it was annoying. And you kind of, it's frustrating. It's something that, it, it is that slug for me. It's that slug every day. It's that chip until you crack and go, I'm chucking a weak sickie. I don't care. I'll do what I want. <laughs> you go home and you rant. I don't know about you, but I take. I, I struggle to turn off work mode. Like, I, my, my, <laughs> my nonno, God love him, and he passed away last year at the age of 99, I think he is. He came here a couple of times, actually. I think he was about three months off 100. Love him. Immigrant, came over from Australia, built a house out in Castle Cove, amazing, no mortgage. The guy was a work machine, was working all the way up to it was actually inhibiting his health. My dad did his eulogy and, and mentioned that Nonno would always say he had a mania for work, a mania, a drive that he just couldn't quench that thirst. Some, maybe that relates to you, you just can't quench that thirst. I know sometimes I go to work, I get to work, then I come home, and then I can't switch off. I've got to keep doing something because I have to deserve relaxation, and I have to work to earn relaxation. That might be you. I have that's something that I struggle that with, and I'm the op opposition. Maybe it's laziness. And laziness, laziness can be the 
it can be the biggest enemy of a talented person. It can be laziness because you can get through life just on your gifts and your talents, but you're not willing to toil and work in the garden, work in the soil and do that hard work. But it's something just to think about, just a question. Think back, maybe you can think back to your parents, your, grand, your, your maybe your heritage, and think about where does that work ethic come from? Is it a biblical work ethic, or is it a work ethic that's driven by social constructs of where we are, what we're doing? Is it driven by the pressures of external pressures? Is it driven by your self-talk? Is it driven by all these different things, or is it driven by God? Because you can start to view work as either a curse or a gift, and it was intended as a gift because it was given to us to do in the garden. Sin came and became a curse. It became a curse. I don't know, that really, when I heard that, that God actually intended us to work, it kind of broke something in me that I was like, wait a minute. Um, this can be done right. Does that make sense? This can be done right. Work can be done right. And so I want to really encourage you around that in your vocation that, um, your Monday might not have to be as scary as it might look. Your Monday not, might not have to be as weighty as it might seem. So I really want to encourage you guys around that. See, it becomes, when you find out what your perspective on what work is, your vocation, your career, when you start realizing who then gifted it to you, so God gifted it, work to Adam to work in the garden it was a gift he provided work for Adam so God the ultimate provider provided work for the for Adam so as God the ultimate provider he then is then the one we work for now you might have a structure within your workplace which you have three executives on top of a CFO a CEO and a CEO and do answers to stakeholders and all these different things but actually the ultimate provider of your work is the creator of all things. The ultimate provider of your work is actually the one who put the stars where they are, who put Sydney where it is, who put you in the suburb with the person you met who got you that job to go into that place. The ultimate provider is not actually that person who is above you, sorry, who is might be um, um, structurally above you within your workplace. But the ultimate provider actually comes down to God. So that means where you are is not by accident. Whether you are you're struggling to find work, whether you've had work for a long time, whether you're hating work, whether you're loving work, whatever it is, where you are is not by accident because the ultimate provider, if you're putting Jesus and asking him where he wants you to be, the ultimate provider has placed you where you are. And you will talk around and talk, I encourage you later after this session, go out and talk in the cafe and ask about the people who have had brought people to Christ in their workplace. And it may not have been them sharing, oh, I went to church, have you heard of Jesus and threw a Bible at them? It was probably, oh, that person has something different about them in the workplace. There's something different about that person that attracted them. That sweet scent, that joy attracted them. And they said, something's different about them. I'm not happy here. They're happy here. Why is that? And I'm getting challenged myself with my, in my own workplaces, am I joyful in it? And I'm going to come back around to that. Because another thing, I'm just going to lay it out for you. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a flawed person. My mate, one of my major things, I'm a people pleaser. Like I want, like I crave, my love language is um, words of affirmation 
But the problem is when I get words of affirmation, I don't actually know how to receive the affirmation. So instead I self-deprecate. <laughs> so it's like, oh, you did so well. Nah, nah, nah. Oh, yeah, I did this wrong. Nah, just, just winged it. You know, oh, no, I don't really do this. Like, that's one of my things. So people pleasing within my workplace becomes a massive thing because I actually try really hard in my workplace. I want to try and do my best. Um, but who am I trying to please? Am I trying to please those above me? I've got to honestly say, yes, I'm trying to please, please my bosses. But I need to go, the problem is, a gift that was given by the ultimate provider is meant to show glory to the ultimate provider. If I'm giving glory not to God, I'm robbing, if I'm pointing to other people and giving my glory, everything to those people, I'm actually robbing God of that glory. And that is almost, I know this is my big, that is almost blasphemy. Because the gift that be given, I'm taking that away and taking it away from who it was meant to be. God, be the glory. Praise God, I got this job. Praise God, it's been an amazing thing. But I need to be working for the right reasons because people, people, people pleasing got there in the end. People pleasing will ultimately leave you thirsty. It's an unquenchable thing. That mania will never be will never be quenched because there will always be somebody who doesn't like you. It's tough. <laughs> Sorry to say it. There's always going to be someone that doesn't like you. And it sucks, but there's always going to be someone who loves you even if everyone hates you. And that is God. So hold on to that. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. Even when it feels like it's the heaviest week of your life at work, it's a gift. It's a gift. Trust that you're not there by accident trust that and i'm wary of time and i'm gonna have to power through this but i want to bring you back just quickly to a story in the bible which was one of my most favorite stories if i can get that up on its luke 2 or sorry my luke verse this story is written twice in the bible okay twice in the bible it's written once in matthew and sorry i think it's the matthew verse sorry (laughs) it's written once in matthew it's written once in luke when it's written in Luke, Luke does a lot more detail and there's a couple more things he adds to the story. Matthew kind of breezes through it. Now, if there's a fight at school, like we had this week as well, if there's a good biff, you usually, we get everyone to write down a school report and I've got 10 different reports of the same thing. The funny thing is, no one saw the same thing. Yeah, everyone saw something different. But I can gather through that data and I can say, well, old mate hit old mate here. Yes, <laughs> there are some basic truths in there. Yeah, um... There might be some difference. It was because of his girlfriend. No, it was because he crushed his bag or through this. But I can get some basic truths here. So we have an account by Matthew and we have an account by Luke. I'm going to go to Matthew because it's a shorter verse, but I encourage you also to go through the verse in Luke. It's an amazing verse. I tell you why, because I call it the under-over concept. The under-over concept. So this is the story. When Jesus entered Capernaum, Jesus had just delivered his most meanest sermon on the mount. And he's come down, probably a little G'd up, emphasizing here. It's okay to laugh. Enter Capernaum and a centurion came to him. A centurion was a man of power. He was a worker. He had gone through training. He had received rank. He was now over, looked over a hundred men. Generally, centurion, hundred. Okay. He also had, that didn't include slaves, but hundred men, slaves, servants, and things in households and responsibilities for the land. A centurion came to him and asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies, paralyzed, suffering terribly. 
love this man's heart, I can already see an empathetic heart. That's a man who sees the little as well, which is an amazing thing. I just like this guy. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Kind of an open thing because the centurion has left his house to go see Jesus. And Jesus has said, shall I go with you to heal him? Because generally so far, Jesus has been in the proximity or in the same room as people to perform miracles. The centurion replied, Lord, do I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For, my, for I myself am a man under authority. I know that I'm under authority. I have people above me with soldiers under me. And I also have people under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to the following around him, truly I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel as with such great faith. Truly amazed. God incarnate, God stepped out of the cosmos, came down, put flesh and blood on, came down into a uh, Roman ruled world with the Jewish, into the sand, into the dirt, into the filth and everything. The clean stepped down into earth and he was amazed. He's only amazed two times in the Bible where that word's news. The second time comes a bit later where he is amazed at the lack of faith. Here he is amazed at the faith. Amazed. 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 Why is he amazed? He's amazed because of the statement before. I'm a man who is under authority and also have people below me. This man recognizes, despite his rank, despite what he's done, how much he's earned, his power, position, influence, or lack of, he is still under Jesus' authority. He is still covered by that. He understands, and it's not going to be a big jump when Jesus dies on the cross, that he can then be under the righteousness of God. It's not a big jump of faith for a man who says, you don't even have to come to my house. I know that you're the ultimate provider. You're the ultimate authority. I know. It's not a big jump for him to then say, I know that you are the ultimate sacrifice and you are the ultimate saviour. I need no one else. I also pull apart from this scripture is this. Sometimes you have to be under before you're over. Sometimes you'll find yourself with a boss that you just can't deal with. I remember being an old mate. Um, sorry, I remember being an old guy down here working. I did 10 years at Woolies before this, before I was a teacher. And I remember we had a rotation of managers through there. Love them. Great people. But I do remember this one boss who I really then connected with after a while. But I remember the first time I met him, came in. He was a scary bloke because I also heard he was affiliated. But that doesn't matter. We remember he was a big bloke. And he came in and he set up his desk. And the first thing he did, he set up his desk as a power move. So as you walk in, the desk is there. He's facing you. And then the first thing he wrote in big block letters behind him, you know, he pinned print out the one letter per A4 page. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he had this power move. So he'd sit at the seat and he'd be like this. And he's a bigger bloke. Like he looked pretty mean. And I remember getting in there and being like, oh, okay, this is not a place where I really want to be. My voice is not really going to get heard because I've got to start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, he got what he's wanted. Yeah, probably rubbed a couple of people up the wrong way. But 
Sometimes you have to be under before you're over. Sometimes you have to have a boss to realize what kind of boss, what kind of leader you will be. Sometimes, just sometimes, you're not as perfect as you think. And I'll put my hand up with that. And sometimes you've got to get a little sanded down by somebody who is above you. Because they might be placed there by the ultimate provider. The person who's in charge of everything may have placed that person there just to get a bit of character in you. I'm not saying you don't have character. I'm just saying one day you could be in charge or be over people and say, I know what that's like. Like that centurion. I, I, I know what you can do, Jesus. I know what you can do. I'm trusting you. Just give it me a little bit. Imagine the impact you will have when you're in charge of the little and you keep the little and you're faithful with the middle, with a faith that can amaze God. Imagine what will happen when you're in charge of the big. And God will be faithful to that. God is faithful because really, fruitfulness is awesome. You can live a normal life and chase power. You can chase anything. You can chase just the next, next paycheck and that might be fruitful. But fruitfulness won't save you. Faithfulness will. Faithfulness will. Faithful that the God of all is your boss. Now there's some verses in Colossians you can go read, but I kind of wanted to pull these ones out because I like these verses. But what happens is when you stop working for the person above you, sorry, let me change that. Continue working with the person above you. But when you realize and acknowledge that God is above them, handing in that paperwork, signing that form, driving that forklift, lifting that box, getting the kids up, getting them to bed, doing, looking for jobs, looking for whatever it is, just picking up even the smallest jobs, doesn't become something that is a weight on your shoulders, but it's the same as when you come in here and you lift your hands in worship. It's exactly the same. You are glorifying God for what He is, so who He is and what He's done. What He is, He is the ultimate provider and He's in charge. So I really want to pray that tomorrow when you go to work, um, know that you're meant to you're meant to work, like you're meant to, it's healthy. It's when you get in your head and you forget who you're working for in the end, that's when you can get skewed and that's when the weight can get heavier, whether that's your studying, whether you're looking for a job, whatever it is. So I want to finish up just in prayer. And if, you've, if this has spoken to you, to you this morning, I want to encourage you, don't let it stop here. Church isn't just about 40 minutes when you come in here, but it's also the conversations that you have out there in the community. Because if you let this change, a joy will come into your life. Like there's people that raised their hands before. A joy will come into your life that will be so attractive that you will be a testimony for all those around you, despite of whatever your vocation is. You, will be, you, you won't even have to speak words because your joy is a testimony. If you're scared of witnessing verbally, let your joy be the testimony and let that strengthen come up, strengthen who you are. Yeah, Let that joy of who God is and what he's done for you, let that be your testimony. Because that, that points to one thing. 
and it points to Jesus. It points to Jesus. Lord Father, I thank you so much for this morning, Father. I thank you that you're amazed by faith, God, and not by my works that I have to strive to do, God. But Father, I pray for faithfulness in my work. I pray for the faithfulness with all those around us here, God. I pray that we realize, sorry, God, I pray that you build in us and keep in us an endurance through the times ahead, an endurance through the hard seasons, an endurance through this, the great seasons, Father. May our joy not be determined by the seasons we go through, but let our joy be determined in you because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Lord, Father, thank you for all you're doing in all our lives. And Father, bless each person here. May they have an amazing sleep this Sunday night and wake up refreshed, ready for work, ready to do whatever their week brings for them on Monday morning. Jesus, mighty name. Everyone said?